Hello, and welcome to Enough Wicker, a podcast where we stand in line for spitfuls of Coca-Cola as we discuss the greatest TV show of all time, The Golden Girls. I'm Lauren. And I'm Sarah. And today we're tackling the 57th episode in the series, Letter to Gorbachev. Now, last episode, (laughs) we basically were like, oh, it's kind of like, you know, sitcom template but, you know... It's kind of a silly conceit. Well, this this episode is one of the more, probably one of the most, I'd say, like top three, like bizarre storylines. Um, <laughs> if not the, I mean, it's it's up there, you know, it's up there. It's a really funny episode, actually. Uh, and it's even with the whole like insane, like nuclear war, cold war like let's get a slice of history and completely parody (laughs) just something that really wouldn't happen anyway there's a lot going on here is what i'm trying to say yeah there sure is my first note on this is um the title still hits you in the face it's like (laughs) wow yeah like but totally to your point it's not it's not typical sitcom stuff i think that like whenever a sitcom touched on like the Cold War or like the threat of nuclear or nuclear, if you're George W. Bush, um, you know, that that threat, it was very, um, it was very dramatic and not funny at all. And I think that the fact that this episode is so funny is just like another overarching nod to, to the Golden Girls and how good the writers and the actresses were at like dealing with these incredibly complex, almost like, inappropriate for sitcom uh subject matter that yeah. they they just handled it i i just think this one is actually like a, a really um very demonstrative of the ability to do those two things yeah and i think but i do think what differs about this one to some other you know not very special episode but very special episode in terms of where writers are trying to you know cover the non-sitcom type of topic is that this one is a slice of time, whereas so many other ones, as we talk about forever, and part of the reason we even have this podcast is that they're so relevant to today. And like, yes, the themes behind the scenes of this are absolutely relevant today. Like, for fuck's sake, you know, I mean, we're just, we're talking about, you know, Israel and Palestine again. (laughs) You know, just, just now, it's happening all the time. We still have North Korea. We still have us. as the greatest yeah. threat for the goddamn world. But I mean, you know, there's there's all of this nonsense still going on. There's all of this potential for large scale death and destruction just because of dick measuring contests. I mean, that mm. is always and ever present as long as there's going to be dicks in the world. But uh, it just <laughs> feels so incredibly dated. Like you said, the title is a punch in the face. And it also, <laughs> I I would argue the only part where they really take the quote-unquote lesson of the episode seriously is when they read Rose's letter. And that's it. Yeah. Like, I think, yeah. You know, like, even when they have, like, the dream sequence, it's like, she doesn't even say anything real about, you know, like, you'd think there would be a few moments where they would hit on it. But even when they're talking about, which we'll get to, when, like, Rose is, like, eight years old and this is what she, you know, they their kids are thinking about, like, it's sort of discussed matter-of-factly, but it doesn't get to the heart of, like, wow, that's really powerful to try to hold the <laughs> I could be blown up at any minute, you know, uh, kind of <laughs> feeling. 
So anyway, right. it's, it's just it's it's just a different ilk, but the same general principle of they handle a really heavy, weird topic well in a sitcom when it really shouldn't, by all means, work. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, it's just funny. Yeah, yeah, I guess. So I think that the fact that they talk about the fact that kids are scared of it and like that it's on yeah. kids' minds, I think is also really great because. You know, I feel like um, when we try to explain, like, we as a society, like, complex stuff like this to kids, it's often very condescending and very, like, you know, this guy thinks this guy's bad. And it's like, you, you don't have to yeah. simplify it that much. They can, they can understand a little and they can share these concerns. And, like, you know, I... I I grew up with Nick News and Linda Ellerby, and I just feel like that was <laughs> such a great, you know, I'm going to shout her out. I just think it was such a great um, example of talking about real serious issues with kids in a way that was like, it was sad. Like sometimes, you know, there's sad things to talk about. Yeah. Um, and I guess that I feel like that part of this episode is. It, they don't actually like address it directly, but it's nice. It's nice to see like, <laughs> and it's also very funny when Rose walks in and they're like, "Oh, what's wrong?" She's like, "I'm concerned about nuclear war." <laughs> oh my god! I laugh every single time. It's every so single time that delivery and like the kind of sing-songy whininess of it is just perfect. So good. The, um, but you have a really good point that they they actually cover this heady topic from the perspective of children, which. Let's talk about it. This show is supposed to be about old ladies, right? Like, it's kind of amazing that they, like, center this topic around kids. And, you know, they do that for a number of, you know, reasons, which the first and foremost is the, the fun, you know, like, this definitely has a plot twist, you know, in the middle of it if you've <laughs> never seen it before. Which actually, I, as I have it in my notes, I was like, that's really effective. Like, like how yeah. you, don't, you don't see it coming. For like the longest time. I, I didn't. Even with the cadet troop <laughs> framing everything. I just didn't see it. Um, even though I knew it was coming. <laughs> but they. <laughs> they frame Big it around. Twist. I'm still yeah. shocked. <laughs> I, I'm st- I can't be. You know. Still talking about it. Um, but, but still like they. You know. They, they do a really good job. Of. Trying to. You know. Talk about how fucking stupid this whole cold war thing is right because they are putting it into a like simplistic terms like you were laughing before where you're like well this guy hates this guy and you're like but it's more complicated than that from like an adult situation but also it's not like it's like you go through those phases in life where you're like i'm a kid it's simple and then you're older and you're like it feels simple to me but it must be more complex and you get even older and you're like it's fucking simple you guys are idiots you know i mean it's that's basic that's the way of my life has come Anyway, so let's let's back up real quick. I just want a, a brief mention to the fact that we open on Sophia reading "Magic Made Easier." Yes, <laughs> not not easy, <laughs> easier. Unfortunately, it's not a real book. I did look it up, and I was really hoping to to find it somewhere. I only found some sort of like David Wilbur magic query that had something about like Deuteronomy in the Bible, so I'm, I skipped it. Oh, but uh, it was. Uh, <laughs> It was a letdown that it was real. But one of my favorite uh, lines from the whole opening sequence, which is iconic and I completely forget is part of this episode, is uh, when she smashes Dorothy's watch. And she's like, this watch is broken. (laughs) 
She's like, Stan gave me that watch for our wedding anniversary. You know, it's like, oh, well, the marriage never worked. Well, why should the watch? And it's just so matter of fact and so Sophia. And it's just it's just a great little bit. You know, it's it's a perfect has nothing to do with, again, the heavy, heavy conceit of, you know, the A story here, uh, her little side story. But all, you know, and we'll get to the famous song later. But I just forgot. I forgot that that was part of this episode. Yeah, me too. And also, um, this watch is broken is something that I often say, you know, like, we, um, <laughs> I will say whenever I get a new watch, and it's not broken, like, this watch <laughs> is broken. But nobody ever gets it. So yeah, <laughs> this is the PSA that my watch is not broken. I know it's never with you. <laughs> it never is, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, I forgot that the talent show was this episode. Um, yeah. And Sophia trying to be in the show and, you know, like, why can't she be in the show, Lucy and Desi? Like, it's all know, very, right? um, it's very, like, prime for that. Um, <laughs> also, Rose is concerned about Bubbles, Michael Jackson's chimp. Like, that was the oh, wow, yeah. before nuclear war. Like, what a, what a time and a place. You know? I know, I'm really <laughs> excited to see that entry in Matt Browning's <laughs> reference book. Yeah, when's the last time you thought about Bubbles? <laughs> I know, like, literally never. <laughs> Uh, but I don't know. He probably wasn't traveling of his own free will. I mean, it's a right concern, especially right. if you care That's about true. animals. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, let's not go down that pathway. We have a lot more to talk about, about <laughs> fucked, up, fucked up characters from the 80s that aren't Michael Jackson. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that I did think that the, the quip about, you know, you're going to end up with egg on your face. It's like, oh, what did you do? It's like, didn't you hear? <laughs> you deaf? I tried to juggle eggs. I thought that was a very good... <laughs> like dad joke you know like just obviously um that uh that Sophia delivers there was pretty great yeah how do you feel about magic (laughs) I mean (laughs) (laughs) love that game no uh I actually did think the magic the gathering cards looked cool and then I found out that like you played a game with them and I was like completely disinterested I was like my brother was very into those he really he had a he was very yeah he had a lot of them (laughs) <laughs> there you go that's all uh, i can I say think, about those <laughs> i think magic has a time and a place i when i was a kid i loved like watching magicians i thought they were super cool i you know i wanted to like practice things until i realized again like you had to really work hard to do sleight of hand and things like that so i get a kick out of it i think it, you know nine times out of ten you meet a magician or like see it up close and there's like a schlocky routine that goes with it that just makes me roll my eyes and not appreciate the actual like artistry that goes into illusions that's my official right. position <laughs> yeah that's um it i too when i was a kid i was so into it i love david copperfield i think oh like, yeah david copperfield i think i actually like went to see him live i was like such a, a fan but i really do not like it <laughs> as an adult and um similarly i have met a few magicians quote unquote in my life um i had a friend in high school who like pursued it that was his career and just like i don't know i feel like random people like you know people friends are dating or whatever like oh yeah I, I do magic and it, it's a it's a big no for me <laughs> but <laughs> I um I I would love if like a Sophia Petrillo type walked up to do magic but generally it's, it's not for me <laughs> I think but there's there's magic and then there are other things where it's like I have seen the trick where you steal someone's watch, like, you know, complete, like you have it in your pocket. You like take it off their wrist, everything, the whole deal. 
like with someone I'm with. I'm like, I, I just, my was blown away by it. Like I, in, in person, there are a few times where like, you know, they palm a coin or they do something else that you're actually, they're so good at it. It's kind of like, this is actually really cool. Even though I know what you're doing, you're oh, really yeah. good at that. It's you know? a total so talent for sure. Exactly. And Sophia doesn't have it. So no, <laughs> but I do love her sock puppet. I, I actually, um, oh, of course. and maybe we will do this, but I was like, we should, we should make this sock puppet. Absolutely. <laughs> a no clicker sock puppet available. Uh, this can be yours for five ninety nine. <laughs> you mean like you know like Sherry Lewis and Lamb Chop? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually love her squeaky giggle when she like delivers her joke and she's just the <laughs> like she's really <laughs> cracking herself up. Exactly. A ventriloquist lips aren't supposed to move. Is that common knowledge? <laughs> That's a great line. Back to yeah. nuclear war. <laughs> Back to nuclear war. So they follow her after she delivers the line that's not really funny but it actually is really funny uh (laughs) and she goes you know she goes you know that sunshine cadet troop i've been helping out with and you're like girl remember the ransom like they remember (laughs) there was a pretty pretty big feature you know in their lives and you know rose goes into the whole like they're eight, eight years old and this is what they're thinking about like look at this drawing you know and blanche goes down her whole you know vein uh yeah show as usual yeah right so and you know dorothy dorothy's like it's everywhere and the thing that's interesting is like i as you're a you're a later 80s kid i'm an earlier 80s kid but i think you have to really be a 70s kid to really feel the full effect of this time because i actually i have a vivid memory of watching television with my parents when the berlin wall was coming down like but that's probably my earliest memory you know that's 89 so it, it's yeah I didn't have this ever-present thing I was too young to feel it but you know from all reports and also just thinking about like yeah okay an eight-year-old at this time like that it is ever-present like you've got your yellow and black fallout shelter signs everywhere like Chernobyl happened 86 like 83 they had that um now infamous movie the day after it was like mm-hmm. made for tv movie that I guarantee an eight-year-old watched <laughs> you know right. with their family <laughs> 83 was um that false alarm incident you ever heard of this where there was like like an early warning system of the soviet union went off of like reporting that the u.s had fired missiles and this one guy this one fucking dude his name is stanislav petrov who i think he was awarded like a medal later on he's like some dude who just like works in the you know missile alarm facility in the soviet thing and he's like let me just double check. And then he checked that it was fake. But he very well could have been like, fire at will! You know, like, he could have, like, completely done, like, launched a counterattack. It's insane. Insane stuff, where you're just, like, this one guy having a moment, <laughs> like, saved millions of lives. Uh, so nuts. And then there's also, which, in my research for this episode, I knew about that one before. I didn't know about this one. Abel Archer 83. It was like, that's a code name. They, they did this exercise. I think it was like Reagan and Thatcher and somebody else. It was all through NATO, right? So it was in November 1983. They did this like huge exercise that was just a, a drill, essentially. A drill. And the Soviets like thought it was real for a little bit. Because <laughs> they were prepping things like everywhere around the world. Oh all these bases and using code names and stuff. So they thought, like, 
we were planning on doing something, but it's just, everything is so dumb, right? Like I was saying before, but there are all <laughs> these, this is real history. <laughs> this stuff actually happened. So anyway, I, I agree with Dorothy and it's not so bewildering. And again, by all first person accounts, Hey out there, everybody who is older than us, you know, I mean, you remember this shit. Like this was a very real threat and a, a, a ridiculous and dumb threat, but like a very real thing. And it's, it's just interesting that they also portray the kids as kind of flippant about it because they're kids, right? So you're just like, whatever, this is my reality. It's like my daughter, it's like, people wear masks all the time. That's my reality, you know? <laughs> just, no one has a mouth. <laughs> correct, correct. Nobody has a mouth except my parents. <laughs> so. Right. That's what I was getting to earlier is kids absorb and they you know, like they process things differently, sure, without this like kind of um, jaded outlook on the world, for lack of a better term. And that's, right. that's great. That's why, you know, it's that's why we all are nostalgic for being a kid. But it also like, <laughs> totally, it's very, um, it's it's unpolished, which I think is is also really like important to look at and allow to be part of the conversation because it's all it's all so messed up, but it is crazy that we as Americans and, and people in the Soviet Union as well, and honestly, like the whole world, I think, lived with this imminent threat of atomic or nuclear, you know, like huge war for decades. And that was just like the state of being. And so like, you can't expect kids. And I think that like, we want to preserve the innocence of childhood for as long as possible which is understandable and reasonable but yeah you can't be a kid in this atmosphere and not pick up on stuff you know like if you're a kid and your parents are fighting you pick up on it so if you're a kid and your country is in like a nuclear stalemate with another country you're gonna pick up on something for real um and I think it's really smart that the show chose to do it through Rose, through these kids, and not just through Dorothy, like, taking a stand against it. Because, like, obviously, you know, we can speculate how she would have, what she would have said and what she would have done. But um, I think it just makes it a little bit more authentic. And also, like, I, I feel like we bring her up every other episode, but Kate Brown and this this idea of Rose is the American dream, like, this is that episode. Like, she... Yes. You know, like she doubles down on like American principles and and um, uh, like all of that, but she also really wants peace, and so she thinks that just as an average American, she can make that happen, which is yeah. such a inflated idea. Um, Direct but... participatory democracy, <laughs> exactly right. Like it's like we're all diplomats. Right. That, you just brought up two things I never thought of, which is one, you know, the, the Kate Brown angle, like, you know, when you just said where Rose is so pissed off, she's like, I wrote Reagan the day earlier. What did Reagan say? <laughs> that she's, you know, it's matter of fact, like, of course they wrote back. What did they say? Right. Like, it's it's just and everybody else is freaking the fuck out because that's what you would do. But also, I never thought about the fact that they could cover this topic through Dorothy. And that, you know, it could be like that whole episode where she's going to confront HW and everything. You know, I mean, that's really, that's interesting. And that it actually, it, this is the better for it. Because the biggest, you know, the, the crux of the episode really is the power of the simplicity of that letter that they read eventually. So it's fascinating. 
Uh, but, little uh, girl Rose. So uh, sad. Little girl, I know. It's uh, so sad and embarrassing, but also like it's very swept under the rug and you're like, okay, no awkwardness. Let's let's hug again. <laughs> but <laughs> I I do want to mention that, you know, Rose is as we just went through the whole reason why she shouldn't be confused that all these kids are talking about nuclear war is you know, she's like, I can't believe they live with this ever present reality. And you're just like, Rose, wasn't there like a world war happening when you were a kid? <laughs> like, this yeah. is like, this is not like completely unknown. Like there's been like, you know, decades and decades of peace. And it's yes, it's different because it's like nuclear war, but like airplanes were dropping bombs when you were a kid. So it's not like the, it's not a, uh, that foreign let, let me just put it that way yeah what about um, the plot by the germans to make the saint olaf you dumb that's what, I'm what about saying, fritz stickelmeyer right? <laughs> it was like right up in your business girl you know that at the same time as small curd cottage cheese queen there was a lot going on so much how did you manage <laughs> seriously uh the another just comment uh in this you know i'm, I'm going chronologically here really is when Dorothy says, it's my turn to cook dinner. That's like the first mention we ever hear of any sort of like household rotation, I think. You know, it's, yes, we see them grocery shopping and like talking about bills and splitting things sometimes. Uh, More like less often than not, less often than they do, I would say, uh, given the way that, you know, Blanche handles her (laughs) landlordism. (laughs) (laughs) Fix the bathroom, I don't care. But uh, I thought that was interesting. It was just like, I, I just picked up on that line being like, that's kind of new, right? That's not a regular thing that they uh, put into episodes where they just like mention that they have some sort of rotation, which you would, but it's just sort of an everyday thing. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that brings up a good point about like um, something that I wrote down. I, I, I wonder if it's different being roommates when you're a little bit older than yeah. when you're in your like 20s or I think mostly in your 20s because well I mean I feel it like <laughs> right no I, yes it definitely is but I, I feel like they live um they live so much as a household you know and and yeah. we, we obviously like see that a lot but this is the very explicit instance of them being like all right like here's what I'm gonna do and like we hear a little bit about them like you said like divvying chores and stuff but um it's nice it I think it also like adds to that like golden girls I want to become a golden girl fantasy of like yeah like you share a household with these other women so nice exactly it's it was just a really sweet moment that you know is obviously not connected to anything else in this, in this particular episode but i wanted to note it yeah another another uh line of note which i totally agree with is like you know rose is like oh we're you know the camping is the same that's another plot twist that they're actually in the living room yes which i used to do hilarious. that a lot as a kid my stepdad um my stepdad was like a real camping person and so he had a bunch of tents so we would set them up a lot in the basement or the living room and it, it was awesome. really like a fun experience yeah and I wrote that down I was like that's like it's nice and and it's very rose to be you yes. know like a leader of a troop <laughs> exactly but I love the one girl's like you promised us we could pee in the woods <laughs> <laughs> But in, in Rose being a cadet leader, they actually kind of show her, like, lose control of the kids a little bit in this one, you know, where, like, she's yelling at them to form an orderly line. Well, one, they're sort of, like, you know, mutinying <laughs> because yeah. they couldn't go outside. <laughs> and, you know, they want pizza and they kind of 
you know, manipulate her into that. And then she's like, oh, would it be terrible? And then she's like, form an orderly line. What are you doing? You know, it's not a salute. You know, like it's, and she's kind of exasperated, which is really interesting because usually, you know, especially in like with kids, she just is so vibing with them because, you know, she's a kid herself. And I don't know if they actually put that sort of like, she's the exasperated adult in this situation because of the theme of the episode or if it's just a coincidence because that's only one of the only times i sort of see her be totally exasperated like even when you know they're babysitting the kids for the walkathon and you know that little brat is smashing everybody's play-doh and then rose just like smashes it she's like okay next thing you know i mean like she's (laughs) she just rolls with it but this one she actually like has this big sigh which, you know, a normal adult would if a bunch of these eight-year-olds are being little shits to you. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense because, like, you know, Rose is a little girl. Like, she's, like, they, it's, like, they have to, <laughs> do you think that was good or bad? Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, it, was, it was both. <laughs> All right, well, um, I am drinking a can of wine, <laughs> so. Um, but, yeah, good. I feel like they need to. It, there needs to be a juxtaposition between Rose as an adult and Rose as like the child. Um, I do want to spend some time on the dream sequence because it is <laughs> so funny. And oh, yeah. it's like, I, I just, I feel like they do a really good job with all of the girls, like doing what they would actually do if they were given the chance to speak to the entire Russian public, which like, why? <laughs> why I would mean- they have that chance? But Blanche singing Mr. Number One Communist. <laughs> oh my God. It is like, I, it's something that I will think of out of nowhere and start laughing. It's so <laughs> ridiculous. And like, it's just, it's almost, I, I, I think I'm giving the, the show a little bit, um, maybe too much credit here, but it's almost a parody of like Americanism in a way. Like, we, when we talked to Debbie yeah. Macy, she was like, you know, the Golden Girls is great and whatever, but it's not so good at like critiquing Americanness. Right. And this is a very, you know, like Marilyn Monroe singing JFK is like such an iconic oh American moment. And for us to do that to, <laughs> to the, like the Russians at the time, I think it's, um, I don't know. I, I just think it, there's like more to that than just meets the eye. And what meets the eye is very funny, but I, you know, just like, a nod to the to the writing in that scene well yeah and i but what's interesting too i would i would tend to give the writers credit one one thing i need to comment on is like i love that marilyn monroe singing that sexy song to a president where the open secret is that he was fucking her when he's (laughs) married and the head of our country is like an american classic you know it's like what the fuck i it hurts me. Anyway, so, but <laughs> I, I would give the writers credit only because I did notice that, I mean, I've noticed before, but now I actually paid attention to the scholarly fashion. The poster, you know, in the center of that back, you know, the, the dream sequence background is, of course, Rose. It's Rose's face. <laughs> to the left is Lenin, and to the right is Marx, okay? Like, I mean, that's a lot of set detail <laughs> for, like painting the picture of communist Russia you know and I think it's just like and to your point you know they're like Dr. Zhivago's my favorite <laughs> love that line you so know much. and then you know and then it's just like 
oh my god, they make another mannish joke with with Dorothy because the crowd is chanting Brezhnev, Brezhnev. And like, no, 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 <laughs> this is Darth. So mean. It's so, so mean, so stupid. But like, you're right. It is one. It's a dream sequence, so it's supposed to be super goofy. I mean, let's not forget, you know, uh, Rose's father as a little person. Um, right. But uh, and and Gene Dixon, but. <laughs> But yeah, I, I, there's definitely some interplay in there with just like how ridiculous it is. And maybe to counteract some of the other sort of, you know, raw, raw patriotism, which again, I want to take a step back. We did miss the Coca-Cola scene. And oh, that, right. in, just, in, just in terms of like, you know, uh, chronolo- uh, chronological order. I mean, Blanche, first of all, she's drinking like a can of what appears to be Shasta. So I call bullshit. But it is... <laughs> It's an amazing spit take. And it's, uh, I mean, it, <laughs> it's such a ridiculous concept where he's like, thank you for spitting Coca-Cola. I mean, I stand in line six hours for half as much. Like, it's so <laughs> dumb. Dude, you just flew here. You're like free to move about. Go to the store and buy a goddamn Coke. You don't need some woman to spit at you. It's I America. Mean, we have Coca-Cola in our school cafeterias. I mean, just just ask somebody to get you some if you don't have any dollars to exchange. Anyway, it, it's it's so insane. It's so... Slurpee is best thing about America. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Brain is that better? Yeah, that was really that was really good, but that's only because you've practiced Magda before. You know? Obviously. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um I, I do want to also call out how there is a, definitely a full Native American headdress and like whooping noises Ooh. and then a lone ranger like cringe on top of it and i just we need to call that out and say it's really insane uh yeah. how many stereotypes the, can we fit in one episode i mean seriously guys the dr Zhivago is my favorite movie of all time is like you know borderline <laughs> like I, I love chinese food you know to yeah to, <laughs> yeah jesus like i don't care what anybody says i don't get hungry an hour later anyway you're like oh my god you guys with the parody it's like some of this show really is just like that the bare minimum of 1980s stereotype comedy and you're like you really are better than this <laughs> one more thing about the um the dream sequence the start did you notice they actually showed the test pattern tone of of the tv <laughs> right no. so it's you know like we we talked about this before because you know an episode a bunch of episodes back rose stands <laughs> at attention and she like you know, oh, to yeah. the Star Spangled Banner, which is like literally the end of the broadcast day. And I told the story about how my dad would like come down, he'd be the first awake in his entire household, and he would turn the TV on and it would be the test pattern until his shows came on. Because again, it wasn't 24 hours. So like the test pattern was would be what was shown, you know, before the broadcast started and i just thought that was great where it was like they actually showed what it looked like you know i mean it, it probably wasn't actually the real one but what reminded me of it is because right before that the test pattern for at least one of the networks had like a native american headdress stamp on it there's so many like you know stereotypes and stuff in this episode um I one other thing I want to point out is um the propaganda ploy to convince the Russians that Americans are all as dumb as Rose. Oh my and god. And in my notes I wrote the the Trump campaign like uses this research because like <laughs> I feel like you know like they all whatever like just like okay like I'm an American and here's my American principles and like 
It's... Well, Trump campaign didn't use it. Putin used that exact tactic. Same thing. <laughs> I mean, seriously, <laughs> seriously. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's still so like, I don't know. I, I think that we have evolved positively in a lot of ways, obviously. But like, we're still, we still do have more than a touch, I would say, of that, like, we're Americans and we're whatever. Oh, absolutely. But like, but I think that, um, I think that that's another sort of positive of this episode is is that that is sort of almost used against us as the audience and also like the people in the episode is like Gorbachev allegedly wrote back because it thought you know he thought <laughs> Rose was a little girl um I, I I don't think the Golden Girls <laughs> helped the Berlin Wall fall or anything but like I do Maybe. think like there's there's some elements of realistic futuristic projections in this episode and like being upset that kids are thinking about the end of the world and all of that like I think that that was very present in the country at the time and I I I think that the way that this episode sort of like balances that with like American pride is really good it kind of hits the mark a little bit which I don't always feel about (laughs) when the Golden Girls tries to address serious issues obviously yeah, I see what you mean. I think it's like what you not only feel, don't only uh, feel when the Golden Girls covers politics stuff. That's my right. favorite thing. <laughs> Wait till we get to Gil Kessler. <laughs> I mean, oh man, holy cow. But um, yeah, there's still, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a premonition, but also like the Soviet Union is cu- crumbling. You know, I mean, it's, it's very, right. it's on its way out at this point. We're very close to that. And but I, what's interesting, they do make the joke. Did you know the, what the reference is when Sophia in the dream sequence says, like, oh, I met a nice young man. And he said he was coming this way. No, what's that? Okay, I looked it up, right? Because I also caught that line and I was like, I don't know what this is referring to. But clearly, it's something real because it's a joke, you know, uh, that everybody laughs at. So this guy, a German guy named Matthias Rust on May 28th, 1987. Oh my God, I know him. Yeah. I've read articles about him. Personally, Continue. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah, my dad. <laughs> yeah, it's my dad. He loves camping. Um, <laughs> no, but this guy, he he basically took a flight. He was an aviator. He took a flight, and it ended with a landing right near Red Square in Moscow because he wanted to create an imaginary bridge, like to the east. And it was like the flight was this whole like you know ploy or statement type of thing to reduce tension and suspicion between the two cold war sides so yes like soviet union is crumbling yes this episode like many episodes of the golden girls and like any american produced anything is going to have that element of like oh we're in the right or we're the bigger people or whatever it is but to your point like they balance it by having gorbachev right back first right and not fucking reagan <laughs> he's napping in the neighbor in the afternoon um <laughs> eating too many jelly beans (laughs) jesus christ but but that was a i mean they make a joke about this guy and that's his entire thing is like a message to the world about how insane this is so yeah it's on everybody's minds probably even more so it's like we're ready for this to be done you know we're ready to enter the 90s the quote-unquote modern world all this other stuff so it's it's really it's it's very interesting commentary uh on the whole situation that you know parts of it are absolutely ridiculous but parts of it still do ring true as like a a fairly true picture of what what was going on 
Yeah. And I get the sense, um, also, I thought this when you brought up the posters in the background, like, the writers are pretty woke. Like, they're pretty, you know, like, <laughs> with it, for lack of a better term. Like, they, um, they have, like, sort of a full picture idea of... I, I think their goal, I guess, was to, like, promote the message of ending it and not to promote the mes- message of Americana. Exactly. You know, right, and I, right, right, right. I think that that in, it, in and of itself is progressive for this yeah. time. And, and honestly, for any time. Like, American time, TV yeah. is always, like, embedded with America's the best. So good for them. I really, I really like this episode. I, I feel like I... I haven't watched it in a while. I, I it's not one I like watch all the time, but um, I I really enjoyed it. Okay, so one you know the coffee tea pair of Levi's is another oh, like very Levi's, funny yes. you know Coca Cola thing, and it's just so ridiculous. But the uh, we have to of course mention, which at this point with all the action going on seems like it just comes in out of nowhere and then leaves just as fast. The thanks for the <laughs> Medicare. <laughs> Skip. oh my god right? of course it's just stitched in but again one of the most classic ever you know i mean it's always in a, it's in the golden girls greatest hits basically of like oh, all yeah. the songs you know i've mentioned before like way back when i went to like the very first golden girls and drag show i won the trivia contest and i got that ripped you know burned recorded with a tape recorder off the tv <laughs> thanks for the medicare was like the top song on it i'm telling you it's you know it's a uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a great hit yeah but I, it's it just appears out of nowhere you like forget that there's this whole b story yeah no totally i remember searching for that on like limewire or something you know like some illegal <laughs> music and i i think that um you know my brother my brother's five and a half years younger than me and he so he knows the he like you know grew up with the golden girls because i made him but yeah, i right. think that he didn't retain as much i think he would be able to recall the thanks for the Medicare song, like yes. word for word. It's like just a, it really sticks with you. Exactly. Um, it's so good. It's really it's so good. Catchy. It's really great. It's just like, uh, all right, we need a little comic relief. All right, bring Sophia in. All right, now she's gone. Let's uh... move her on. <laughs> yeah, move it on. Move you know, it on. The other... The uh, <laughs> the other thing is like Rose. So when she like has to confront the fact that they think she's a kid or whatever, like. Her pretending to be a kid is so unlike her. She's very into truth. Yes. And, and obviously, like, eventually she, she doesn't. Um, you have but to get the a... moonbeam badge, you know? <laughs> Sunshine <laughs> right. Cadet never lies. That yeah. kid is perfect. That kid so is So like, good. Oh, God. Heartstring right there. You're just like, fine, bastard. I know. I know. And I, you know, humiliation is something that I have such a low tolerance for. Um, I... It would be the worst day of my life if I was Rose Nylon and I had to be like, no, I'm actually like an older adult <laughs> and I totally. wrote this letter. Um, but it's so, I just think like it's such a in-character thing for her to do, to be like, no, like it wasn't a kid, it was me. And really kind of powerful, you know, to like stand up to this like quote unquote international audience and be like it was I'm the one who wrote the letter. Who wrote the note? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I I it's what's interesting to me is that now that we think about it, it's like you just sort of accept the fact that like yes, they can't go forward with this Gorbachev meeting, press conference, whatever. 
because she's an adult but it's also like why not and we could spend a whole other you know like fucking hour on this whole thing um like talking about the reasons why you know it you can't accept the same advice from a child as you can from an adult and the assumptions made and everything we talked about in the beginning of this episode but it's it's actually really fascinating to me that immediately it's just like you know he makes a joke like i i you know i'm gonna be potentially physically harmed you know that's like the implication there so i have to like (laughs) hide out in miami (laughs) my name is dave is that what he says right dave (laughs) it's like it's it's so it's so silly and ridiculous but it's also funny because it's like they have to end the episode there and like yeah that's the that's the punchline to this guy and it's really bad news but it's also like you were moved by the letter and like i said earlier i think the letter actually has a really good somber moment, you know, for the show to have that quote unquote, very special episode moment where like Blanche kind of pauses when she's reading and she's like, if they grow up, not when, you know, and all this stuff. And it's like, it's, it's not as childish as you expect it to be when you're hearing about it earlier in the episode, you know, it's just straightforward and it it's just, just a lot to unpack there. <laughs> you know, yeah, fact, totally. it actually delivers really well. And uh but I agree with you that it's it's a mortifying moment for Rose and I actually am really happy that they let her be an adult enough to be mortified. Yeah. You know. Yeah, totally. I agree. And and to uh, you know, take a little bit more of a serious tone. Um, when when Blanche says the if they grow up, not when they grow up line, I was really struck by that because I think that um, we are starting to uh, America as a whole and like, especially white people are starting to be clued into this conversation that black parents have to have with their kids about like, you need to grow up like, and you, in order to do this, you need to not, you know, like you need to not have confrontations with police and if police confront you and whatever. And, and just like that concept of, having to um, weigh the possibility of if rather than when they grow up, I think is something that black people in America have always, have always, you know, dealt with and and internalized. And I think to, it's, it's certainly different, but I think to just have those words on TV um, or, you know, to talk about those words here is it's so applicable and that, you know, that sucks. <laughs> but I, I think that it's worth pointing out that some people in, in America dealing with other Americans still live that way. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we should we should work to change that. But I, I, I was just really struck by that line and how it could be applied today. You're so right. And that comes into, oh, God, you know, we got to cut this short because we're going to be talking all night. But it's really goes back to that Americanness of this yeah. episode that we'd be we'd be so cocky and we are so cocky, particularly at this time, but still today, that we know what's best for the world. We know what's best for our country. We run everything fine. Everything's fine. Everything's cool with us here. How are you? You know, I mean it's it's very <laughs> um it's really the that was a Star Wars reference if anybody caught that. I uh, laughed. <laughs> good job. But, <laughs> I don't normally make <laughs> Star Wars references, but look at me. Uh, but it reminds me of, 
you know, again, tying in what you just said about black people in America and the talk and then also and how this has been going on forever uh, and also just American imperialism and all of this nonsense with the Cold War, like reminds me of the, uh, the World War Two and, you know, recruiting like black American men to fight overseas and a not in- insignificant group of them being like, why you, like you what want me to for? fight but like you want me to fight for freedom i don't have freedom you won't give me freedom i don't even have freedom in my own fucking country like how are you you have to be out of your mind you know and it's it's again as as a white person never thought about that never would you know i mean it's just one of those disgusting things about white supremacy and how we run ourselves in this country so it's there's so much tied up in that. It's interesting that that one statement like ties back to so much about just like how we see ourselves as Americans writ large and how that's not true for the vast majority of Americans in any, in any and all senses. Uh, yeah. Whew. Well, I think we, but Sophia all the can points. do a good, <laughs> Sophia can do a good Reagan impression. Ha 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 ha. My Reagan impression. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, folks, you just said, you know, letter to Gorbachev, like the, the title packs a punch. So the end's going to pack a punch too. But <laughs> join us next time. We're going to discuss the pros and cons of the career choices of local politician, part-time stenographer, and or mild-mannered housewife. <laughs> Take care, everybody. <laughs>